Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. You are listening to the Tuesday, October 31st edition of Rotoviz Radio. I'm Pat Corain on Twitter at Pat Corain. And with me is Sean Siegel on Twitter at FF underscore Contrarian. Sean, how's it going? Great. Another very exciting fantasy week. And we've got a special guest tonight. We're going to get the Fantasy Lane crew back together for the show and bring in Peter Overzet, who is going to talk to us about his 30th place finish in the Millionaire Maker, which obviously was very exciting. And also, if you're not familiar with Pete, I definitely would encourage you to you know to, to reach out and, and get familiar with him. Follow some of his stuff. He recently wrote what I consider to be the funniest fantasy football article that I've had the opportunity to read. Obviously, I'm biased with it, having been on Rotoviz, but I've read thousands of articles over the last decade and none of them cracked me up or were quite so enjoyable as pete's you have died of dysentery oregon trail (laughs) article on his fantasy land team a couple weeks ago so definitely looking forward to chatting with pete about uh, both fantasy land and his millionaire millionaire maker team yeah and that one had me crying laughing not just because it was brilliantly funny but also because it was about the death of our 
fantasy team in our high stakes league. So <laughs> kind of a uh, mixed emotions there for me, but I would definitely recommend checking out that article and uh, checking out Pete on Twitter. He's a genuinely fantastic Twitter follow. Um, kind of inject some humor here into the fantasy football uh, Twitter community, which I, which I think uh, definitely is a good addition. Um, so add, add him if you're not following him. Um, and you can do that at Peter Overset. But uh, let's jump into that interview with Pete. As soon as I remind you that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. That subscription will give you unlimited access to all of our premium NFL content, and it will also support the podcast, which you can also do by rating and reviewing the Rotoviz channel on iTunes. Uh, we've got the Rotoviz radio channel and also the Rotoviz radio football show channel. Uh, two ways to listen to the show. Uh, the Rotovis Radio Football Channel is a little bit more pared down. Um, you can also contact us via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com, and on Twitter at rotovisradio. But let's get to our interview with Peter Overzet. Fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try my new favorite app, Draft. Here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week and there's no management. Just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Draft even takes care of last-minute injuries for you. Drafts start every couple minutes, so you could join one right now. And the best part? You play for cold, hard cash. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. There's no salary caps, so you play in real-life snake drafts, just like you would with your friends in a season-long league. So come in, join me, draft against me on Draft Today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com, whatever you want. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code RVRADIO. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to PlayDraft.com and come play free with promo code RVRADIO. Please welcome to the show Peter Overzet. You can follow on Twitter at Peter Overzet. He's the host of the Fantasyland podcast, the producer of Pete Manzanelli and uh, for PokerTube, and host of the FF Comedy Hour podcast as well also a road of his contributor pete welcome to the show did you just read my bio off of twitter and not give me any bit of a personal introduction i sure did buddy come on dude i i need i deserve more than that than that standard boilerplate <laughs> all right well let me uh, let me add this you also placed 30th in the millimaker maker this week and uh wanted to talk to you about that nice little sweat you had going yeah i should put that in my twitter bio like you know husband uh, father, uh, Scott Fishbowl division, Peter Pan, and 30th in the Millie Maker, week 8, 2017. <laughs> I did, though. I did. Dude. Well, you know, it was Mans kind of took credit for it, but uh, yeah, we were building that lineup on Sunday morning right under the under the wire. Got a nice little uh, Russell Wilson game stack with Lockett and uh, Paul Richardson. Brought it back with Will Fuller, and uh, yeah, had a good sweat. We It was that final pick six, because I had the Cowboys D and we were, I was in like, you know, 65th or something, and we jumped all the way up to 30th uh, on that last play. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun sweat. Yeah, when, I just want to make it clear: when you say we were building that lineup, you mean you and your alter ego? 
something like that. Yeah, it's really <laughs> hard to kind of untangle all of that and the pronouns that we should use. Uh, but yes, you. I think you got it. How Pete? How far were you from moving up another ten, fifteen spots? I was. So there was. It was hard to get into the top five. He was uh, like fifteen points ahead. But I had looked because if you remember when uh, Paul Richardson had that third TD uh, taken back, and then I think Graham ended up getting it. I went and looked, and I would have jumped up another. I want to say twelve to thirteen spots. Uh, on that and then ultimately I think I was in better position but the Ezekiel Elliott and DeAndre Hopkins kind of blowing up in the second half of those games uh, ended up having a few guys kind of surge past me there but yeah I think my ceiling uh, would have been you know about 15th or 16th depending on how some of those other uh, Paul Richardson plays shook out. Now, you, you told us some interesting things about your process for setting up the lineup before we started. I see that you also had, obviously, Will Fuller opposite all of the Seahawks. Was there any lineup um, consideration? Was there, was there any of the lineups that you put together that also had Hopkins in them? No, they didn't. I kind of started with the the running backs. I had I knew I wanted Jordan Howard. I actually saw Roto Doc talking about him this week, so that got me on him. I knew I wanted to put in McCoy, and then when I built the game stack, uh, I knew I liked that. And so then I was down in the flex with you know fifty two hundred or so left. So there was kind of the options people were using Blunt, who I ended up going with, and then there was you know your mixins, your your. Uh, who was the other one? Dion Lewis. And then, yeah, I could have gone down to the really cheap tight ends. Obviously the nuts play was to go down to Jack Doyle, but I, that would have been a lot of salary to leave on the table. And I guess I psychologically, I couldn't pull that off and thought if a lot of people were on the Eagles passing game and then the weather was bad, I thought, you know, Blunt could be a candidate for two tight ends. So I went ahead and, uh, and went with him there, but yeah, I should have, if I would have spent more time with that lineup construction, I definitely would have maybe spun that lineup into a, off into a few others. Because, yeah, the guy who won the Millie uh, had – he actually didn't even have, I want to say, Fuller, but he had um, both the Seahawks receivers, Nuke, and then Lamar Miller was his flex play, which I think was the true differentiator there. And will, will, will Fuller now be in every lineup you do out <laughs> into eternity? I mean, what ratio of reception to touchdown should we expect for his career? Is it going to be 60%, 70%? I know. I hear these people use this word on Twitter called regression. I'm still trying to look it up and figure out what it means, and they bandy it about uh, for Will Fuller, but I don't believe it, dude. I just think he's going to score two touchdowns a game. Uh, going forward. Although if I if I were to do the thing where you get a jersey uh, when you win the Millie for a player, uh, if you do the thing where you get a jersey for getting 30th, I definitely want a Paul Richardson jersey. I, I am becoming a, a big fan of that guy. Awesome. Well, Pete, you mentioned uh, Blunt and the Eagles. And so let's let that kind of lead us into some of the big news. We usually record this uh, this podcast on Monday nights, but we're recording this episode here on Tuesday night, which gives us the benefit of seeing all the trades that came through today. One of the most surprising and one of the probably the biggest for fantasy purposes is Jay Ajayi to the Eagles for a fourth round pick. What do you think of this trade? How do you think this is going to shake out for fantasy purposes? How about we kick this over to Sean here to, to start? I feel like I just talked for a while. Well, you know, my question was, do the, the Eagles, do they just bring in a back who does the things that Blunt does poorly and the things that Smallwood does poorly as well? Have they? Is is this a, a hybrid blunt Smallwood of all the worst traits? 
Right. Yeah, it does seem because they were saying they now have the, you know, five running backs on the roster and on game days, you can't imagine that all of them are going to be suiting up. Is it Smallwood who's going to be the one, you know, outside looking in? And you wonder what their medical staff thinks of Ajayi too. And if they they wouldn't want to be let out in the cold, like, you know, they're not going to release Blunt and then have Ajayi get hurt and then be in an even worse situation. So, yeah, it, it seems, and it said today that they were going to, that Ajayi was still, uh, you know, supposedly going to be the second guy and Blunt was still playing with the starters. But you have to imagine they uh, give Ajayi the lead role uh, pretty soon. Sean, expand on those thoughts there. You're, you're thinking that he's maybe not as good of a two-down banger as Blunt and not as good in the passing game as Smallwood? Well, it just seems like a possibility. It's always interesting, I think, when the teams make these trades. You're looking at it sort of from both directions where the Dolphins haven't been able to get anything going. And, you know, the Dolphins have received some criticism for the different personnel groupings that they use. But you look at what they're trying to accomplish, and it doesn't seem like any of the personnel groupings will necessarily work when they go in with a heavy package and try to run Ajayi behind it. You know, they don't they don't get any push. They don't move the off the defensive line. You know, they don't create any space. And then Ajayi has not been creating those big breakout runs this season. But then when they go to a more spread package, the defense is through the, the gaps and, and all over whomever they have in there at quarterback. And so none of those plays have worked. And then on top of that, you have Gase criticizing Ajayi for trying to always hit the home run, which it doesn't really seem like it's his fault when he's having to deal with all of those players in the backfield. But when you have a coach who has not only said that, but then follows through by getting rid of a player who really was the focal point of their team last year and, and carried them as an offense, I mean, that's a pretty strong statement about where they think he is. And, you know, then you put that sort of within the context of the Eagles saying that Blunt is going to remain the starter. I don't take that very seriously because it doesn't matter how many times they pitch to him and he gets tackled seven yards deep in the backfield. You know, they're going to keep mouthing this idea that he's the starter where, you know, if, if he were a viable NFL running back, he would have success with someone other than the New England Patriots and the team he plays for would not be trading for JHI. Yeah, I agree. And Blunt's just on a one-year contract here. So I think for dynasty purposes, it's, it's really intriguing I think potentially this could be an upgrade, although there's certainly a lot of... You've just introduced a lot of risk if you're a, a Jai owner in Dynasty, but um, you know some of that variance could be positive because Blunt could be gone after the year if Ajayi kind of locks this up as a three-down roll. He's on a much better uh, offense going forward, I would expect, with Wentz emerging and this offensive line being much better um, this year, presumably going forward as well. So I think... Uh, there's some potential downside with Ajayi if um, you know he is kind of falling off and what we've seen from him this year is somewhat his fault. But I think there's a lot of upside here for Ajayi. What do you guys think about the Dolphins situation? Like, Drake has not really been involved this year. Um, he's got 10 rushes on the season, three receptions. Um, you know, they've got, I guess, Damian Williams there. Like, Drake is going to be in for a huge increase uh, in his role, and I, and presumably Williams as well. So how uh, big of factors do you guys think they could be down the stretch? 
Yeah, I mean, I want to get excited about Drake. I think I saw one of the beat reporters saying that the coaches were, that Drake was getting all the reps whenever uh, Ajayi would sit out with his knee injury during just regular weekly practices and that they really liked what they saw of him. So, you know, obviously take take that uh, how you will, but it seems like they want to see Drake in a more expanded role. And, you know, I know we like Damian Williams. He has kind of the profile uh, to be a three down back, but we've also seen him a lot, uh, you know, filling in for Foster and whoever over the years. So I'm more intrigued by the unknown with Drake and just with his speed uh, and versatility. I'm hoping he gets an expanded look. So that's probably where I'm going to lean as far as who I want to take that initial stab on. But I think both of them are good ads. I've got Drake on my kitchen sink team, which is one of the ones I'm most invested in. And so I would love to see him um, really get the opportunity here and explode. The question that I always have with Drake is a little bit the question that I had with Matt Jones when he was being really pushed as this potential breakout player for Washington, which is that, I mean, he was not an impact player in college. Right now, the Dolphins are saying that Drake is someone they want to see in a big role, but they never given any indication of that in terms of actual NFL games, and he's been on the team for a while now. You go back to college, he was also not an impact player at Alabama. And obviously they had a lot of players that he's sharing time with. It's a very deep and difficult backfield in order to, uh, in which to sort of carve out a role. But you can't carve out a role on your college team if you're very clearly the backup and just the this, this space back or really a special teams back and an elite special teams performer. But those are those are red flags. And so, you know, Drake has the speed, he's got the athleticism, and he's got better size too. I mean, he, he certainly uh, size-wise would not need to simply be a receiving back. And one of the things the Dolphins have tried to do, and I think that one of the reasons that you could use or an excuse that you could make for him as someone who has not had a lot of touches with the Dolphins is that in their offense, they would really like to keep that one back on the field, get a little toe going, go downfield, and make the defense defend you know, that, that one player as opposed to constantly sh- shifting personnel groupings and you know shuttling guys in and out. So because they didn't do that in the past, he didn't get on the field. So... If now he goes into that role where he plays all the time, I think that's encouraging. But certainly when you have a back like Ajayi, who was very successful last year, failing completely in that role, it's just it's very difficult to see even where the fantasy value would come from. The thing that you have to like with Ajayi in Philadelphia is just this is a much better offense. And we've seen so many situations this year in which that has, has played a huge role. You think about how much better the Rams have been overall with the new coaching staff and what that's meant for Todd Gurley. Certainly the offenses that are struggling, and that just destroys the value of the running backs. One of the interesting backfields for fantasy purposes is the Denver Broncos backfield, and they really have three runners who, who actually look pretty good. The problem is obviously when you're splitting three ways, that doesn't work out very well in terms of total points, but also just because their offense isn't good. Even if they have three different quality running backs, you, know, you don't get to see that. They don't score points. The Dolphins are sort of in that situation where if you're going to split between those two guys and they don't move the ball anyway, it's hard to see how those guys are going to just score the fantasy points that you need. But there's always that slight possibility that Drake or Williams could really invigorate the offense. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. Sean, what kind of waiver wire bid would you be looking at to put in for each of these guys? Well, it depends so much on your roster, but I think that you really are are still going to try and stay with with a relatively minor bid as 
if either or both players has a bad game this next week, I think they'll be released again. There are enough different players who can sort of fill in the back end of rosters right now that we're going to continue to see some churn. So instead of playing in a big this week uh, and then having him on the wire as you sort of go into the postseason, maybe wait for that opportunity a couple of weeks from now after they've had some opportunities to, to actually play in the offense and develop a little bit of feel for what's going on. Yeah, this week could also be uh, kind of an overspend week on the wire just with the bye weeks. You know, you have New England, you have Pittsburgh, you have San Diego, you have the Vikings. So a lot of players, people I'm looking at my lineups and needing to just find touches. So it could be one of those things where people are going to overpay just to get the touches this week. And like Sean said, maybe you you wait it out and wait for those guys to be re-released back into the pool. And I think a lot of the players we've been really pushing have have done well over this last month. And so if you filled in your roster with those players, maybe you're even set at running back in a little bit of a surprising or different scenario than than sometimes. I've found that moving from sort of zero running back at the beginning to now where I have running backs in the flex position for a lot of teams this Mm -hmm. week, and then even some good options uh, beyond that where the running back four is pretty strong, but certainly looking to try and fill at wide receiver and potentially with all the injuries and the buys at tight ends. I was going to ask, Pat, you you mentioned, you know, how much would you spend? Where are you with your fantasy land team? How much money do you have left to bid there? We have uh, $588 out of our initial thousand. Oh, so you guys are still very well positioned to, to get almost any big player that comes along. Yeah, we were... We were fortunate we got Aaron Jones when he was looking to be, you know, the kind of $800, $900 ad. And then, you know, Montgomery's practice reports turned rosy and we were able to throttle that bid down and got him. So that week we ended up saving a lot of money. Yeah, I think we got him low 300s. My guess is that Drake ends up going, though, for, I mean, I think some teams will pretty much spend everything they have left. So I would think he goes for like 550 Um and then Williams will probably go for close to 300, I would think. I'd have to look at what everyone has left, but that's sort of in line with what we've seen thus far. Yeah, that seems a little high to me on Williams. Like, I guess if you, I guess it, McKinnon went for about uh, 320 or so. So I guess it's just how do people perceive Williams relative to McKinnon in that similar situation where the top guy went down and then there were kind of two guys left standing. Yeah, exactly. I think maybe Williams is a little bit less exciting of a name. So I could see him going for maybe closer to low 200s. But I think um, generally in these high stakes leagues, there's, you know, 12 teams, 20 roster spots and if starting running backs come up in a high-profile injury, uh, that's that's going to lead to big bids. I, I was talking to Matt Kelly about this last week. He was he was saying like how the injuries really drive the bids in the high-stakes leagues. Um, you can sometimes get away with picking guys up if you're sort of looking at snap counts and seeing you know someone kind of creeping up. Then you can usually get them maybe a little bit more under the radar. But when uh, you know I'm saying an injury here, obviously Jai was not injured; he was traded, but Still, it's Ajayi has cleared the way for the rest of the season for these two guys, and everyone in the league is aware of that. So I think the bids will be higher than you might expect for Williams in, in this format. But in kind of more typical leagues, I would expect Williams will be somewhat under the radar, though kind of to the point that you guys made about the bye weeks. <laughs> you know, this is if you're trying for under-the-radar under pickups, 
uh, going into week nine is is not the week to to get that done. You had mentioned the that you guys have five hundred and some left. One of the things about the free agent bidding that tends to be the case, people have, have done a number of different studies on this, is that you have the one large bid and then the second place bid comes in much, much lower. Obviously, in order to beat that top bid, you know, you would have to go over that. But in the cases where you, your own team, perhaps is the one going for the top bid. And so you can assume that in this case, you know, our team is going to be the top bid, but we're, there's a very good chance that we'll double the, the next lower bid or that we'll overbid for what we actually need by a large amount. Do you guys then ever consider taking that bid down almost by half? Do you go in and study the other rosters to see where injuries have happened and where buys have happened in this past week to see how in your particular league it might affect specific teams bidding? Yeah, I mean, I normally like to do that where I go look at, at trends and, and remaining fab dollars and try to do that kind of mental calculus you just described. Pat and I, though, both these seasons have found ourselves in such big holes that we are literally trying to save our season when we have, you know, a guy, Aaron Jones, last year, we made our big splash play on Dwayne Washington. Oh, yeah. That of that of course worked out uh not so great so yeah we've basically had our hands forced that when we're either we're either trying to fill a desperate need and are willing to overspend or we just try to do our due diligence and put in those floor bids for the situations you described where you know maybe there isn't that one team that's going over and and then the floor falls out from underneath that bid and and I remember talking to you about this before we did our first high stakes draft last year and and you told us how you know you'd be surprised as the season goes along guys that you would think would maybe go for 100 bucks and you can get them for a buck or two just because based on team needs or owners getting complacent, those bids just didn't get put in. So yeah, it is, it's definitely nicer to be on that, that side where you're scooping value instead of feeling the desperation of having to be the overbid. And I certainly find too, that for players, maybe in that middle tier or second tier where they're not going to get a several hundred dollar bid that owners will, in some cases, assume that someone else is going to put in that, say $70 bid or the 65 unit bid. And in fact, no one then in the league will bid allowing you to get for, you know, one, two, three, somewhere in there. And it's certainly not a bunch of players every week or anything like that, but the going in and consistently putting in those one or two bids will allow you to every couple of weeks, perhaps get a, a somewhat ridiculous bargain that you, that you weren't expecting which yeah, obviously that has a number of benefits, but it certainly allows you to spend your units in a way that is more efficient and also saves for potentially a big bid late, which you guys now are in a position to make. Yeah, and I, it wasn't quite this league, but I know in some of my standard uh, leagues, you know, take the Murray and McKinnon example where Murray was going for, you know, 40, 50% of budgets, and I was able to sneak McKinnon by for uh, for just a dollar or two. And that same thing I could see happening this week where maybe Drake, I, I'm guessing, is going to be the sexier name. Uh, maybe people are blowing half their, their wad on it, and maybe you can sneak Damian Williams by for a buck or two. And who knows, maybe the, the perception flips in the way it has uh, with McKinnon versus, versus Murray. Well, Pete, I want to get to the Oregon Trail portion of the show. But before we get there, <laughs> the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, 
uh, may finally be going into effect. Have you been following this? What what legal background do you have, and uh, what <laughs> what advice can you give us for Elliot? Oh man, I uh, it's funny because I get this question because uh, on I don't I think I have only Elliot in one spot this year. I think the Scott Fishbowl team, but my wife has him on her team. So I get these questions all the time and I'm always trying to explain like why we're doing this. I'm like, okay, let's pick up Alfred Morris. No, we can drop him now. No, oh, now we need to pick him back up. So, but to answer your question, no, I know, I know nothing uh, about this legal thing. And it seems like every time it's all right, he's getting a suspension. Then I get the news alert. Nope, it's going to be appealed. So hold your horses. I don't know. It seems like this suspension is going to happen at this point. Uh, so I'm, I'm moving forward and until I have my reality shocked once again. So I'm sorry, I can't offer any good legal analysis here. How about you guys? Pat, I think that that is also the case with both the NFL and Elliot's lawyers is that they don't understand the, the legal process afoot. But if we assume that he's suspended this week, do you prefer Morris or Darren McFadden? I don't know. I, I think I prefer McFadden still, but I just... And I, but I don't really have a strong feeling on that. It's like I just feel like McFadden's got a better chance of actually doing something in more of a three-down role. So I'd prefer him. I know McMorris has been more involved though. So uh, I'd be curious to get your guys' take on it. I don't know if this is actually a conspiracy theory, but uh, what do you think of the idea that Dallas has refused to play McFadden at all, simply to keep him healthy for exactly this time of the year? Uh, I mean. I kind of like that thinking, to be honest, like it makes sense. I mean, I, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to be wasting McFadden if I was pretty sure I was going to lose Elliot for the year. So I guess you could use that rationale to, to go heavy on McFadden. Like we talked about the waiver wire stuff, you know, obviously the, the Miami backs are going to be big pickups this week, but how heavy would you go on the Dallas running backs, not knowing for sure if, if Elliot's going to be out and, Furthermore, like, what are you doing with Elliot if you own Elliot? Are you just trying to trying to ride him out? I I guess you'd really need someone who's a big gambler to really give you anything this week. Is we're kind of nearing trade deadlines in some leagues, um, so this might you know be the literally the last chance you have to get out. And uh, <laughs> I don't know that people are going to have much appetite for buying him right now. But is there anything that Elliot owners can do? And uh, how heavy are you bidding on these waiver wide running backs here? Well, I just think that if you're an Elliot owner. Um, you've had the full year to prepare for this and in, in many cases knew this was going to happen when you drafted. So I think that probably those folks have gotten themselves to what they're comfortable with. I think the thing that I would be looking to do just you know, as one of 12 owners in any league is to now go after Dak Prescott because you know, we saw what he was able to do a couple of weeks ago we saw what Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson were able to do in a game head-to-head this weekend. It seems like the Cowboys will go more pass-heavy and that maybe unlike last year, that they're ready to do that now and that the passing game could absolutely explode and that you're going to get a huge number of both rushing and passing points from Prescott. I like that. I like that, uh, you know, kind of pivoting there. Um, but we talked about kind of that the, the price bidding for like a Williams being around the 200 in one of these high stakes leagues. It's striking that McFadden won't go that much higher than that. And he probably has more upside um, in a better offense with better quarterback play. Does that seem like a, like a decent bid for McFadden? I, I just don't know what is going to happen with that running game. And I think that 
I just don't think that we're going to see the same type of offense and the same approach. And then when it's split between multiple players, I think that the idea with McFadden is that he is clearly the better receiving back. And if they want to continue to incorporate that, which I'm sure that they do, that he's going to have a role. And then if he flashes, it's not that difficult to see him very quickly beating out Morris. And, you know, even falling into a situation where Morris has all of the low-value touches and then McFadden moves into getting more of the high-value touches, we don't really know how they're going to go around the goal line or even if they're going to end up with a lot of those running types of plays. And Elliot has been scoring from distance quite a bit this season. But I guess I would just wait for or let someone else make that make that play this week. Although, again, if you can go in and make sure you have your low bids in for all of those players, especially if you have roster spots, you don't know which leagues you might end up getting them. And certainly if you can get them almost for free, I think you definitely want to do that. Makes sense. All right, Pete, you're a Patriots fan, so we got to get your take what? on What? Uh... <laughs> Come on, Don't. man. You know you're a Patriots fan. I know no, I know not. you claim to be a Broncos fan slash no fan, but I know uh, I know you love those Patriots. So This is this is a ambush. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's hard-hitting journalism here. I'm not I'm not standing by this bullshit anymore. Um so as a big Patriots fan, I got your take on Jimmy G to the 49ers here, man. What's going on? I'm devastated, dude. I uh, I took down my Jimmy G poster. By far the most beautiful man on my favorite team, the New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, my entire office, everyone today is just freaking out. Everyone, they don't understand what is going on. But it seems like the situation is pretty obvious, right? That they wish they could have gotten more for him in the offseason around the draft. They didn't, and then they held too long and decided to cash out for for what they could get. Uh, I guess that, and you know, it makes sense, right? If if Brady goes down, this team isn't good enough where they could have even probably a Matt Castle type season with a you know the backup quarterback stepping in. And so I think Belichick looks at that and says, "Hey, we're screwed if Brady goes down, anyways. Let's might as well get some value here." Uh, and go from there. So I, to me, it, it seemed like a pretty uh, obvious decision or something that made sense. And other than my, my heartbreak of losing one of my favorite players, uh, I'm, I'm handling it all right. Yeah, and on all those past blogs you read, did they mention what they could have gotten for, uh, for him during the draft? Was it that like a mid-first? Is that I mean, it seemed like they were trying to hold out at that time for way more than just an early second-round pick. Yeah, so I was listening to WEI for six hours earlier today, and uh, and then I also downloaded and listened to the podcast version of the Sports Hub, and what they thought, no, I don't know, Pat, I think they uh, thought they could, w- wasn't the famous thing they were holding out for like a first and a second or something, and uh, I guess I that never came, uh, apparently, but yeah, it, it it does seem, I don't know, Sean, what, what does a smart person think about this? <laughs> well, I, I don't know what a smart person thinks, but I was going to ask you if... Mans was part of the group in a different front office today. The reports are that the Cleveland Browns were unable to finish off their um, crazy steal of someone who plays behind Andy Dalton (laughs) for a second and third round pick, but they weren't able to get it through because the celebrations were more important. 
Yeah. Did you play any role in that? <laughs> no, uh, no, no, we didn't. Although I have heard that they have greenlit uh, the the sequel to Moneyball two, and it is going to be about uh, the, their war room today and that all unfolding. And it's you know it's it's a great era, you know a great era for analytics in football, and I think the Browns are are really a champion and, and a leader in this space. So yeah, I continue to to look forward to all the very progressive uh, decisions they make. Yeah, and that was going to be a weird move because they're giving up yeah second and third round pick for McCarron. So I guess McCarron's worth more than Garoppolo now. <laughs> um, but yeah, with the Jimmy G trade to the Forty ers like does this have any fantasy relevance here? Like, um, you know, I guess apparently uh, Garoppolo's not going to be starting till week twelve. So this would be, you know, I, I guess if you're looking at playoffs in super flex leagues or if you how might this affect um carlos hyde during the playoff run or pierre garçon is there sean do you think uh there's any real impact here with the 49ers i think if you have some of their wideouts you're excited to see what could happen certainly there is a window now where they're saying he's not going to play immediately we saw a little bit of a situation with the Colts where they acquired a Patriots quarterback, said he wasn't going to play right away. And then, you know, very quickly he's out there and not only is out there, but is a big upgrade even without knowing the offense. The 49er situation is obviously different. You've got different coaching staff, different playbook, um, arguably weaker talent, although the 49ers and Colts, uh, you know, when you remove Andrew Luck for the, from the equation, then you probably have teams that are somewhat similarly talented, at least on that offense. And so I think you have to be enthusiastic. You have to be excited. If you own Pierre Garcon, he's a player where the volume should be there. And if you can get that volume at even a slightly higher efficiency level, if you can maintain some of these drives so you can keep feeding him, then then that's positive. And certainly that also would potentially help Carlos Hyde a back who started out the season pretty efficient and and looking good, but as the season has gone along, you know we're starting to see a lot of these twelve carries for twenty five yard lines, and you know he's added a few receptions, he's added a few touchdowns. But if the offense could be a little bit more efficient, if they can sustain some drives, certainly Kyle Shanahan wants to score points, which I think differentiates them from a team like the Chicago Bears where if you get any sort of upgrade in the quarterback play, the offense could get pretty interesting. Whereas a, a team like Chicago, a solid team, but you know they seem to be playing with the idea that if they could lose their games by you know somewhere between 6 and 12 points, that at the end of the season, you know, they'll, they'll be ecstatic. And so I, I think with the 49ers, we're not seeing that. So, so an upgrade at quarterback could definitely have some, some fantasy ramifications. Yeah, the the Bears are playing Jeff Fisher ball right now. It's it's very frustrating. Trubisky is uh I don't know if he'll throw for two hundred yards all season. Um, Sean, I have a question for you because if I was listening to this podcast, as Pat mentioned, with trade deadlines nearing, I think most of mine are are this week. Uh, I would be wanting to know who is a Sean Siegel approved trade target, the uh, the proverbial league winner that I can buy low on and ride to the championship. I think if you can get those Saints players, I'm constantly sending out trade offers for Kamara as someone who obviously a lot of people are all over. The cost for him, especially in Dynasty, is through the roof, but I think the upside is still even beyond that. One of the players I think is an interesting sell is perhaps Kareem Hunt, someone who 
is on my hometown team. You know, it's very exciting what he's done. You know, he has made a big impact in that offense. But his value is so high at this point, and maybe starting to have some of that siphoned off over the last month. But he was someone who came in as anywhere from, say, pick 107 in a rookie draft to really middle of the second round to now frequently I see him ranked number one, number two, number three from this class again, a loaded class. I think if you can sell him for two or three awesome parts, then you should do that. I think that one of the things that can be a little bit underrated is if you're a favorite to sell. I think you always want to be trying to gain as much total value for your team as you can. And so sometimes those last moves, if you're sacrificing too much value for the future, I think that can come back to haunt you. You just got to get yourself into those top couple lines into the buys going into the playoffs. So you avoid that first round and then try and do that every single year as the way to win your league. So as opposed to having a specific player that I'm wanting to buy right now, I would be looking to sell maybe some of these top players if they can bring back the value that it seems that they have. All right. I like it. There you heard it. Put out some offers for Kamara ditch hunt and, uh, and win leaks. Um, I, I want to get your guys thoughts on, kind of a former top player this year, David Johnson. It sounds like uh, today Bruce Aarons was talking about if, it, you know, if he being unsure that Johnson would be back this year. Uh, Steve Kime has uh, voiced similar thoughts that Johnson may not be able to play again this year. And Johnson himself is unsure about whether or not he's going to be playing this year. Is he worth keeping at all in redraft? And kind of under what circumstances would you uh, kind of be wanting to burn a roster spot on him. Like I, I have him, I've been holding him in a league where I drafted him. I'm pretty much guaranteed uh, almost to make the playoffs. I don't quite want to say that, but it's looking very good that I'll be make the playoffs and potentially have a buy. But you know, I could use that roster spot. I'm sure others are in that same situation. Today's news made it seem like it might just be time to cut bait. But uh, where are you guys at with Johnson? I know Sean. I know you basically own him in most leagues. So um, what, what are you, what are you thinking given today's news? Yeah. Well, I, we've talked about this on the show before, but I haven't been in a league with, with Todd Gurley where the receivers are, are also pretty solid Jordan Reed on that team. And, and just keep thinking, you know, if they could get to the playoffs, you can get to the playoffs. It now looks like those guys are not really going to contribute at the same time. And in a similar situation to where, if you've kept Andrew Luck, where Luck also looks like he's almost certainly not going to play, uh, I think it really comes down to the roster spots. If you've held this long, then you know holding another week or two, especially for you know picking up a fifth or sixth kind of wide receiver, not not you know a wide receiver four or five, but a fifth one on your bench, you know those types of situations. I, I you know. If David Johnson is dropped in your league, are you going to bid one on him next week? It, it seems like most people probably are going to, in which case it, it becomes difficult to drop him. But certainly, if you need to win this week to stay alive and you have to cover your buys, you have to drop him. If you're in first place by several hundred points, then it's probably a different scenario. Yeah, I'm honestly planning to continue to hold him and in that league. I also picked up Andrew Luck as a two quarterback league, so I'm I'm doubling down on the guys who are, probably aren't playing this this year. But I just feel like they provide upside if they did come back. They they would just be a massive boost to you know my playoff chances. And 
you know, sometimes you end up with a team that's not that good, but it ends up in really good position. And I feel like that's what I have here. So I'm actually trying to load up on lottery tickets, despite being probably locked into a playoff spot. So I try to evaluate my teams like pretty honestly, regardless of the record. And I think I just can't avoid to give up that upside. But Pete, what do you what do you think about Johnson? Are you would you be just cutting bait in that situation? Yeah, I think so with, you know, when it's more, you know, someone like Ezekiel Elliott, when you know you are getting him back, you know, he's healthy, you know, there's a definitive date. I think those are easier hold situations. But when there's so much ambiguity of when when the goalposts are going to get moved and then what, are you going to be able to confidently start them the first week they're back? Probably not. You probably want to wait and see weeks. So now you're buffering in more time. And yeah, I'm probably not holding them. I'm also the guy though, like in Scott Fishbowl, I just cut Greg Olson the second he went on IR, even if I thought he was going to come back just to free up the roster spot. So I think I'm a little bit more uh, cutthroat and not as patient in those situations than maybe smarter people with a long view. All right, well, let's let's take a quick break here to talk about my bookie. Um, Got to mention my bookie, the uh, presenting sponsor for the show. Um they offer fast, reliable payouts. They're still offering the deposit bonus with the code RotoRadio. You get a 50% deposit bonus when you use that code at mybookie.ag. Once again, that's RotoRadio, R-O-T-O, Radio. Um, so, yeah, MyBookie is going to be uh, your best place to go for putting in some props, putting in some uh, over-under over bets. Pete, I haven't really bet that much on uh, on football this year, but... You know, when we were out in Vegas, we put some money on the games. Definitely uh, livened up our Sunday. I thought. Yeah, dude, we uh, we started the season season hot, and uh, yeah, it's always fun to you know offset a, a bad fantasy day with a few uh, a few bets and and try to get back in the green uh, that way. It's always nice to have that option. Yeah, for sure. So go to mybookie.ag, use the code RotoRadio, get your fifty percent deposit. Uh, fast, reliable payouts can't beat mybookie.ag. Um, all right, let's get to one more trade. So many trades today. It's crazy what kind of the, the NFL's really changed the narrative in a nice way on, uh, on the trade deadline day, but Kelvin Benjamin to the bills. Um, what do you see as the fallout here for the bills? Pete, what do you see as a fallout for the Panthers? Who's going to step up? In this absence, is this kind of an emergence spot potentially for Devin Funches? Can Curtis Samuel get on the field more? Uh, is Jordan Matthews even more buried than he already was in Buffalo? Is Deontay Thompson's quick <laughs> quick little uh, spot in the sun over with? Uh, how do you see this playing out? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with uh, each one of those and just do about ten minutes about uh, each of those players and their future <laughs> outlooks. Sweet. Uh, yeah, no. I y- hang on. You you're the world's biggest Curtis Samuel fan that I know. You you were the one that got me onto him all during the draft season. You have to be pretty excited about what this could pave. You know, some more touches for him. I am excited about Curtis Samuel. I think uh, I I think it's only good things for him to get on the field. Um, Funches, I think you know, stands to benefit a lot more. Um, just given kind of his more solidified role in the offense, but. Yeah, I think uh, it's a Curtis Samuel owner in several dynasty leagues. Um, I think this is a, a spot for him to really show what he can do here. Uh, the The offense has been a lot more willing than I thought they'd be to kind of feed McCaffrey some of those short throws. So if Curtis Samuel's on the field, I feel like he's going to potentially 
get some of those types of looks. Um, could be involved that in that way, and then he also has some long speed. So I, uh, I'm definitely excited about about Samuel and Dynasty to see kind of what he can deliver here. I, in redraft, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily like rushing out to pick up Samuel, but um, it'll be nice to kind of close out the season to see what I have in an asset that I invested in in a lot of Dynasty leagues. Yeah, and I guess as far as the Bills situation, it just seems like it gets more and more murky. You know, I I haven't felt comfortable starting Jordan Matthews in the leagues I have him in. Uh, You know, Zay Jones hasn't been a guy that you can consistently rely on, and now you add another... Another target in the mix uh, there in Kelvin, you know, it's, it has to ding, uh, you know, some of Charles Clay's work when he was healthy and producing. And yeah, so I don't know. I think it just, uh, I guess the one person it's good for is is Tyrod Taylor. It gives him another weapon. He's already, you know, continually underrated, I think, as a as both a real life and a fantasy quarterback. And, and this only helps him out there. Uh, what do you think, Sean? Well, looking at the buy low machine, Buffalo has the number one remaining schedule for a quarterback. And I still think Jordan Matthews and Zay Jones are interesting players. They, you know, Jordan Matthews came in late, and so he doesn't know the offense, and then he immediately sustains a couple of different injuries that slow him down. Uh, but he can be sort of that slot threat that, that is very useful for an offense. And then Jones, the extreme inefficiency has to be a red flag. But like Josh Hermesmeyer was mentioning last week in his Air Yards by Low article, the volume is there. And if he is an NFL wide receiver at all, you would expect there to be some sort of, of bounce back. And based on what we saw from him in college, and then you complement that with an extremely impressive combine, I think there's not a lot of reason to be or or at least there's there's reason for hope. Let's put it in the positive terms instead. There there's reason for hope. Now, the volume is not going to stay there with Benjamin in place, but suddenly I think you could argue that instead of having a very weak wide receiving core that was going to limit them as they make a playoff push here, they're one of the teams that at the beginning of the season had a little bit of a mini sell-off, and it looked like with a new coach that they were going to go into this complete rebuild. They weren't 100% sold on Taylor, but instead the team has performed extremely well, and is making the second half push and, and the acquisition of Benjamin, I think has to be exciting for their fans, exciting for that offense. Now you've got three different guys, all of whom have some red flags, have some warts, you know, have their very strong defenders, but also a lot of critics. It'll be interesting to see all three of them together in that offense, even if none of them really rise to the occasion and become, you know, that big fantasy weapon going forward. None of them, still profile certainly as a wide receiver one. I think with Benjamin now, you're hoping that he can be sort of a low-end wide receiver two within the context of that offense. But certainly, Taylor owners have to be excited. Have to be excited. It gives you another potential streaming candidate. And then as the Superflex leagues get more and more popular, and, and I would definitely encourage people to play in those. They're a ton of fun. That, you know, for Taylor owners in those formats, that, you know, this is a great development. Yeah, and... Um... Pete, I saw you had kind of a hot take on Twitter regarding the 2014 draft class with now two of those players on the same team. Um, bit bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, humorous take here, but I think there's some truth to it as well. But uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts now on the 2014 wide receiver class? 
Yeah, no, it just went, when that trade happened today, it just got me thinking, you know, with all the injuries to the guys, the, you know, these guys being traded, you have all the Martavis Bryant stuff. I was like, you know, the 2014 draft class, everyone was excited about it going into the draft. And then it really met expectations, you know, with Odell and Mike Evans and Cooks, all their big uh, year one seasons. And my thought was that this moment, maybe today, has to be the lowest just the overall stock and perception has been on that draft class since since the draft. And you can go down one, you know, through the players. And again, some of them are injuries. It's not like we're necessarily concerned about Odell Beckham's long-term thing. And, and I do know Mike Evans is still having a solid season, but it's, it's crazy how many of these players uh, who were propping up who are now in, you know, in flux across teams or not having great seasons. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, maybe the, the honeymoon period on this 2014 draft class uh, might be coming to an end a little bit. Sean, am I being uh, too negative there or is this uh, tough times for, for those wide receivers? No, I think that's that's definitely the case. It'll be interesting to see how they move along through the remainder of the season. It certainly sounded like Jarvis Landry was another player who was available today if the Dolphins could have gotten the right price for him. So it, the class is, is going to go down as one of the best in history, but certainly a, a low last month and possibly an opportunity to buy in dynasty leagues. Some of these players are going to be in different situations next year. And I don't think for you look at players like Benjamin, like Matthews, like Landry, I don't think they've been in terrible situations, but they certainly haven't been in elite situations. And anytime a player is not re-signed by his original team, you know, that's going to be something of a red flag that certainly traded away. Those are concerns. But, you know, we saw just over the last month this incredible transformation in Houston. And, you know, DeAndre Hopkins goes from a first-round pick a couple years ago to falling into the third round this year despite you know being a star being one of the best receivers in a league that suddenly seems to be less top heavy to be Antonio Brown maybe Julio Jones and then everybody else you know maybe Mike Evans but this you know big group of of somewhat underwhelming candidates well Hopkins immediately jumps back up to the top of that when you you have this quarterback change. And certainly, if you're still a believer in those players, then I would definitely be trying to buy now because you can see that huge jump in value this offseason. Yeah, so what just happened is I actually did you a big favor because as such a big kind of fantasy influencer, my tweet, I think, is going to push down the overall perception on this class. And then we have the sharp play here with Sean telling you to go buy him up. So you're welcome on that little uh, bubble I created for you. (laughs) Well, I I think it's paying off right away. I was able to acquire Jarvis Landry uh, during the opening minutes of the podcast here. So so we're already off to a fast start. (laughs) Were you really, Sean? Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> excellent what it's in a league with pete so I, I think that he's already done himself uh, a disservice like he was saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i think sean uh, sean got a good one he uh he pulled in a lamar miller garcon and landry uh for zay jones and some picks so yeah he's uh he bolstered up and is ready for uh for a playoff run now awesome well pete to close out here what players are you uh most excited about and uh who are you looking to avoid in this coming week um wow this coming week uh i remember i'm the guy that uh made that millie maker lineup about 20 minutes uh <laughs> before 
Honestly, I, and I'm not kidding. You know, I started to go in to uh, submit some of my lineups and look at my waiver situations. And some of my teams, I mean, I'm going to be really struggling to fill out my rosters. I just have so many Steelers, Patriots, Vikings, and Chargers that it's uh, it's going to be a rough week. So as far as players I, uh, I'm excited about... Um, yeah, I don't. I, it's it's whoever I can get on the waiver wire to touch. Like I'm getting excited about Robbie Anderson on waivers. Uh, some guy I can try to hopefully get and put into my lineup. Uh, maybe Sean has a has a better uh, guy he's excited about. Well, we were talking about you know, do you hold David Johnson? Do you hold Andrew Luck? And I think that it's it's very difficult if you have held him to this point to cut him. But it's not just going to be David Johnson or Andrew Luck that people are going to be cutting this week. And and obviously people who are <laughs> paying attention. Um, cut luck a while back but i mean you're gonna have to be cutting (laughs) potential starters if you want to fill out a full lineup i mean these are the most exciting teams and you know this bye week you look at best ball leagues people are going to have half lineups you know after after their optimized lineup is taken so yeah i think exactly what you said there that just fielding a team this week is going to be the real challenge obviously houston again looks like a team to to continue to target and uh, at this point, it's it's just it's great to have such an exciting such an exciting story. You know, we have things like the Chicago Bears who appear not to actually even want to go out and play their games. You know, certainly you have negative storylines with the NFL. You know, fairly consistently, which I think unfortunately can overshadow some of the amazing things that are happen, happening. But you know that that game, that Seahawks Texans game, I mean, one of the most exciting games in years. And to continue to watch what the Texans could do this week against the Colts will be a blast. Awesome. Well, let's leave it there. Pete, thanks thanks so much for joining us. Everyone, make sure to follow uh, Pete on Twitter. A fantastic Twitter follow, at Peter Overzet. Um, check out his can work. Can I do on, Go ahead, Can Pete. I do a – I just wanted to do a plug. Yeah, do a plug. Do a plug. Um, they're on by this week, uh, but the Patriots are definitely my favorite team. You guys should check them out. They got a lot of good things going on. So yeah, definitely check out the Patriots. They are normally in the one o'clock slot on CBS, or you can catch them on red zone or maybe even some clips on NFL.com. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Pete's also the host of, uh, fantasy land, the FF comedy hours So check those out. Um, as well, episodes kind of, kind of TBD on both, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. All right. Pete, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Hope to have you again sometime soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rotoviz podcast. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash radio. AAA Auto Insurance isn't just about protecting metal and glass. It's about the people inside the car. Did you check the tires? Uh... That's why AAA Insurance offers the benefits of a AAA membership, like roadside assistance. We're gonna need it. Yes, we are. And the ability to renew your vehicle registration at most AAA branches. Even better. Plus member savings when you bundle your auto and home insurance. I could use AAA right now. Join today at AAA.com. Get great auto insurance and more to outsmart the road. AAA. Outsmart life.
Ready, set, save California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F 150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So, ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September. Third, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.